I always take my neck out. I don't be silent. I talk. They don't want that. They want me to be quiet the way I am today. That's what they want. They want me to not come in the TV, to not showing, telling my story. It's not good for them. It's, it's damage for the image. That's what they don't want. They want me to be quiet. They want me to just hide in. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. Imagine you have a 14-year-old son. Imagine you are just 14 years old and you get arrested, interrogated and tortured. Imagine that your 14 years old son is sold to a foreign country where he is held as a prisoner, gets tortured and abused. Imagine any child, teenager that has been treated this way. Welcome to Stick Your Neck Out, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. I am free now. I enjoy being free. Freedom is beautiful, said my guest today after he got out of the detention center at the Guantanamo U.S. military prison in Cuba. I am Jean-Pierre Aguiar Durañona, and I'm really glad to welcome you, Mohamed, to our podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. You're welcome. You're welcome. Mohamed El-Garani was an adventurous 14-year-old with big dreams when he was arrested in Pakistan after 9-11. Mohammed, you were born and grew up in Saudi Arabia after your parents immigrated from Chad in search for a better life. You suffered discrimination as a Shadian and you were denied schooling, so you went to Pakistan to learn English and computer studies. While praying in a mosque, you were rounded up and arrested by Pakistani police and handed over to US forces. From Pakistan, you ended up in Cuba, being held there without a trial for almost eight years. The complete story you can read in the comic book Guantanamo Kid, the true story of Mohamed El-Garani from Jerome Tubiana and Alexander Frank, a book I can't really recommend. So, Mohamed, how do you felt after you got your well-deserved freedom? I felt like now, you know, I'm free, 100%. I felt like now, you know, I'm active, so more active of, of uh, telling people, visiting people. And, you know, I was really hoping that if I go back, I, I will go to the prison, you know, and I will always visit in pr people in the prison and, you know, give them hope, you know, because, like, is an example, because there's those who was in prison, most of them, they're in their country, you know, they're in that condition that I have been through. So I, I had difference, you know, uh, uh, mind then, you know, but when I came out, I sent to prison again. I start facing challenges again. I, you know, I never thought it's going to be that way. And I, I, when I asked, are you ready to go back to Chad? No problem if you go back to Chad. I was like, yeah, 100% no problems. I never know. Right after this year in Guantanamo with the Obama administration, you got out. The Saudis did not grant you repatriation to your hometown of Medina. And only after several months of diplomatic haggling, Chad, the home nation of your grandparents, agreed to receive you. And after being flown there by the American military authorities, the Shadian authorities, contrary to official promises, had locked you up again upon arrival. Still, you managed to be set free and attempt to rebuild your life. You got married and became a father. 
but Chad is a poorer and more corrupt environment than the one you had fled in 2001. So you and your wife moved on to Ghana, where you opened a prospering import-export business. Yet, the Guantanamo stigma prevails. Get more, like you said, it became a stigma. So I was hiding, you know, hiding my identity, hiding who am I. So when all this going on, there's a man, new old man that we're in the same area. He got to know that I'm, I was in Gitmo. You know, I'm kind of confused because now I was born and grew up in Saudi. I'm not in Saudi anymore. And first time coming to Africa, Chad, Chad, troubles, problems, went to Sudan also. You know, another story. So my cousin in South Africa told me that, you know, if I can come to South Africa, he can support place to stay. So the idea was go to Benin Republic, relax for some time. So go take a break. So I went to Benin to take a break. So when I came to Benin, you know, this Christian, my friend, and he came to Chad before I was released. He's the one who was doing the negotiation with the Chadian ambassador in U- in U.S. He's the one spoke to my family. He's the one talking to Chadian authorities that, look, this guy is innocent, man. You have to take him before mm-hmm. even the court. So he is very active. He came to Chad, I think, more than four times before I was released. He came to Chad after I was released. He came to Benin when I came to Benin. He came to recently, I think, yeah, this year or ending of last year. So he came to Benin and they told me that South Africa is not safe. You know, taking a flight and all this go to, it's not a safe place. It's better if I can go to Ghana. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I don't know anybody in Ghana. They said, no, we have somebody in Ghana who can, you know, find a place and, uh, you know, help you around until you can, you know, build yourself up. That was the idea. So I went to Ghana. Uh, that was uh, 2011, December 12th. So I went to Ghana and I start looking for work because when I was in Benin, the idea of export came to my mind because I saw the pineapple everywhere. It's like the date in Medina. When I was in Medina, you know, date mm. is everywhere. So I start searching where can I, you know, work. So I, you know, by Lebanese, one of the Lebanese man. I went to uh, airport and I saw he's doing export into Lebanon. So I started working with him. So I was coming to the airport, receiving the goods, taking the weight, counting the quantity, taking the invoice, you know, doing the forwarding. After six months, I knew that the cargo is like something extra for the airlines. So if you bring in six, seven tons per week, it's a lot of money for them. These things make me to get some money. So I start making money. So I start doing my own export. So I start shipping, not a volume like seven ton, but I start shipping like one ton and a half every week. So yeah, it's a long story. So I start, you know, uh, I bought a car and I start uh, living normal life, send my kids to better school. You know, I start doing all these things. After all these years, I'm trying to, you know, put things together. That old man I told you about, the one that knew that I'm from Gitmo, mm-hmm. then he can advantage that they don't have any document. And, you know, from Gitmo being in Ghana is also another issue. I don't have people there. I don't know any people. All the people that I know is only business. Nobody knows, you know, my, 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 my story. So, and the old man, 
he always takes money from me every week. So we are doing like this for a long time, like almost two years. I started losing trust on him. He like every week I have to pay him. He knew that every week I have a shipment. So every week I have to pay him some money. He, he threatened me, not directly. He would say, look, I'm the one saving you here. If, I, if I'm in trouble, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? So the way before has changed. The man wasn't, wasn't like that. Now the, one, the man, the way he's talking to me is different. That time, it was a time that they brought from Guantanamo, two Yemenis from Guantanamo. They brought them mm-hmm. to Ghana. I think next day or a few days later, not long, Alaji brought my case to the media. And I didn't know. I was at the airport. They came with Shankaf and they told me, Are you Muhammad Nagrani? I was, Yes, come with us. Boom. I don't know. Then they brought my kids from school, my wife from the house. Then I think two days. We spent two days in prison where we don't know. Then from there, they took us to airport. Then from Ghana to Togo, from Togo to Chad. Let's go shortly back to Guantanamo. How was the life of the teenager Mohammed there? I'll give you an example. When I was in Camp 6, one of our Tunisian brother went to, to the wreck. And when he came back, one of the uh, CO, we call him SOG, he's uh, in charge of guards. He doesn't like him at all. And he doesn't like people who talk because we always talk. We know if you come and you give us less than what we're supposed to get, I will not be silent. I will tell them, no, we're supposed to, if I'm supposed to get three, you have to give me three. You know, some people, if they're supposed to give three, they give them one day quiet. Oh, we're prisoners. What can we do? I am not like that. So that SOG, he always take the rules, use the rules against us. For example, if you are hurting yourself inside the cell, he can call Cordialo. If he call Cordialo, everybody will come running to your cell. They will open your cell without any permission to save your life, you know, to save your life. Mm. So they have to come in, tear your clothes, give you something that you cannot use it for hang for hanging yourself. Then they go out. He used this to come and beat you up, make you naked, leave you naked in your cell for a couple of hours and go and or bring all the women's working as the soldiers looking at you from the window and laughing at you. He do that. He did that to me. He did that to a couple of brothers. So last person he did this is a Tunisian called Hamza. So when he did to Hamza this, I talked to the brothers, look, tomorrow morning when we go out, you know, they put us in a different recreation, like 15 or 16 recreation, each one separate, but we are we can see each other. When yeah. we go out tomorrow, we won't come back to ourselves until we bring this matter to the higher-ups. Because if we don't do that, this guy, he will never stop. And it was Thanksgiving, you know. So Thanksgiving, this uh, uh, general and all the big dogs, they came to the blocks to, to, to see us, to just check, you know, to go around. Yeah. So we were outside. They came out. When they came out, I just claimed the fans and I was shouting, hey, you. Then he looked back. He was with, you know, he comes with much of people, you know. Hey, you. Then he looked. I said, yes, you. Do you know why we are here? We are here since morning. They're supposed to give us one hour. And we are here since morning. More than 11 
powers. You have to know the reason. We are not going back. We never go back if that SOG not be punished. Let me tell you what he did. And everybody listening. I say he used the rules against us. He always called for Code Yellow to come in, to beat us up, to take our clothes, to make us naked. When I was telling him the story, he was listening. Everybody listening. Lieutenant said, look, I promise you, I will come to yourself. Please tell your brothers, go back. I will promise you, I'll bring the last night team today and to hear from them. I said, look, we're always lying. Whatever we tell you guys, you always don't believe us. But ask his team. So while I'm talking, uh, he said, okay, now we go back. I said, no, I want to pray. I want to eat dinner, then I go. Then the black sergeant said, no, 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 you have to go back now. Then the lieutenant looked at him, say, hey, bring him his dinner, let him pray, then he go back. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, he won't come back. He's here since morning. Now you won't, you won't give him 20 minutes? Then I'll tell the brothers, game's over. We go back. Yeah, but still the officer, he kept his job. I mean, he probably just got transferred, isn't it? Yeah, so when I was in Kamigwana, I was walking, you know, I have glaucoma, so I cannot see, you know, I don't have even glasses in, in the prison. I cannot see if I don't come closer. So I was walking, you know, Gamagwana is open, but there is a fence between us and the guards. That fence, there's another right on the left, you can come straight. There is a door where guards normally sit. So I saw somebody is coming. And it's the same SOG who caused that problem. When I saw him, I came closer, I saw him. There's rocks on the, on, the, on the floor. I grabbed the rocks, he ran away to that room. I told all the brothers, the Uyghurs, I said, this is the man who did this, who did that, who make me naked and beat me up and beat brothers. They, I, they, I already told them the story before. They already know him. Mm. So all the rocks waiting for him to come out. You know, he's, a, he's an army. And we have army and navy in Guantanamo. Mm. And navy, they are, they are taken for iguana. Army, they are not in Iguana. So when we are waiting for him outside with rocks, now he's inside the room. He cannot come out. If he come out, we will not mess his head. I told the Navy, I said, his head is too big. I cannot mess his head. Let him come out. So he's inside. Then they called their boss, Navy, their boss. He came to me. What happened? Why are you people? I said, number one, why is he here now? What brought him here? His army, not Navy. What brought him here? And, you know, he doesn't understand. But he's part of us. We are together. I said, no, 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 no. I have reason of what I'm saying. Go check what happened in Thanksgiving, Camp 5. Bravo. I give him my cell number. What happened with this guy? If you don't know, go check. If I tell you, you won't believe. Go check. I won't tell you. No, no tell me. I said, no, go check. He went, I think, like one hour. He came back. He told me, you know, they have everything in the computer, everything. Uh -huh. he, I don't know. I said, we are ready for problems. So now they begged us for him to come out. I say it's only one condition. If he come out, he has to look down, no right, no left, and go out. Otherwise, I will not miss his head. And all the brothers, we all, you know, holding the rocks. Uh -huh. So this man came out of the room. He was his eye. To the floor and I was walking beside him 
holding the rocks and telling him, if you're a man, just look at me. Like a woman, I will miss your big head. You know, I just want him to just look up. And this man, he just came out without looking, no right, no left. Boom, he's gone. So there was this this brotherhood feeling in Guantanamo. I'll give you one example. If you hit somebody with number two, they punish you with food. No, three days, no food. But Americans, they don't tell you, I won't give you food. But they give something you cannot even smell. It is a nice packaging. They bring mm. it to you. Do you want to eat? No, refuse. But if you open it, you cannot smell it. You get it. So what we yeah. do now, you are the one facing the troubles because of the brothers, whatever. So brothers giving, getting food to this person. How? Mm. You know, we have our lockers. We put our messages, letters inside. So as soon you, for example, you be punished. Now your room is 12. I'm 25. And what I do, I will see. The brothers will call me. Oh, Chris. Yeah. Do we have any, we will call taxi before. Then mm -hmm. they understand taxi. Taxi means some guards that pass the food. Then we say airplane in Arabic. You know, there's some people tell them. Then I brought something in our Quran language. They won't understand. Kurtu yeah. meaning bring me. So they asked me, we have Kurtu today? Uh, our brother, 12, yeah. Bring me my locker, envelope from my locker. I yeah. make sandwich. I don't eat breakfast today. I saved the breakfast for you because you didn't eat for last night because you'd be punished. Yeah. So now you bring me the envelope. I put the sandwich. I tell him, okay, you know, please bring, send it to Locker 12. So Locker 12, when he asks his Locker, he will ask 12, but he will bring in my 25. Mm. He will take it out, eat the sandwich. And the other brothers will save, uh, will do their lunch for him. The other brother yeah. will do dinner for him. So he will have three meals. Mm. Me, I get two meals. But yeah. that's okay, because he's a front line, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, how do you feel today? Now you are free. How do you feel with the freedom? Yeah, you know, freedom is something that you will never know until you be free, you know? So freedom is something uh, take it away from nobody, you know? It's, it's important and it's life, man, you know? Uh, freedom, there is no way to explain. It explains itself. Uh, I hope I get more freedom than what I have now. Yeah, it's not easy. When you wake up, nobody tells you what to do. You know, and, you know, uh, uh, when I was free, I experienced shackles every day, handcuffs every day. Even the way I was walking, if you see me, it's like a small baby start knowing how to walk. Because when they shackle me, my legs, the, the distance between the, the, the foot when you are walking, it has to be very short because of the shackles, because of the chain. Mm. So now it changed. When it changed, if you see me, I cannot walk. I, it's like, I feel like I'm falling down because of seven and some months, almost seven, almost seven years, I'm in this kind of situation every single day. What kept you going? You know, when, when, whenever day pass, whenever day pass, one of the, you know, brothers said to me over there, look, we are here because 
you know that that God or Allah is Quran and written in and then written in uh, whatever that we have to come here and we have something to eat here and if it's finished either we go or we die so we have to come here and we have to spend some time here something we call qada qadar meaning that whatever happening for reason so don't thinking keep thinking when i'm going to go home how long is going to be end you know because these questions there is no answer for them so leave this one up somebody uh-huh. called shakir Ahmed, maybe you know him he's a british i named my boy after him so he's the one was bringing the hope up to me you know he's telling me you know you like my my son you know don't give up you know the way you you are talking and resisting good continue but don't just because he said to me if you cry Oh, you show you're broken. Uh, that's what they want. Yeah. Don't show them you are sad. Smile. Always keep smiling. Because, you know, whatever happening is happening for reasons. And stay in the truth. Tell them the truth. Don't make them change your mind from the truth to lie. Don't tell them something you do, you never do. Could you tell us what sort of atrocities you faced in Guantanamo? Everybody knows they got uh, particular interrogation methods. The rough way they started with me was every 30, 45 minutes or one hour, I was moved from place to another place, from block to another block, from interrogator room to another interrogator room. For me to not have a sleep, I cannot sleep. If somebody moving you every 30 minutes or 40 minutes from cell to another cell, so you never want to get 30 minutes to sleep. You As soon as you put your head to your, for, for rest, You will hear the shackles are coming and what they do you know because all made by iron so they will they take the chain and they will drag it on the on the floor so you will hear the chains are coming so i was they did that to me almost i think one month every day sometimes i cannot stand up so they come and take me in a, in a you know they they will carry me from cell to another cell You can see my my arm here. Uh, this is a, a cigarette. Uh, you know, so the interrogator was smoking, and he put a cigarette on my arm. And uh, you know, uh, every interrogator room, interrogation room has a different way of tortures. Some of them they have like a, a swim, like a, not like a pool or like something like uh, with the water. Put your head in, you know then you cannot breathe, then they break your head up. You know, me, I don't want to go to the details of uh, torturing because I know I cannot continue if I go to that. that. So each each room, it has uh, different ways, you know, because if you are with a, with a soft interrogator, good cup, you go to good places. I mean, you know, TV, everything. It's like you go relaxing. But if you, with the other one, it's a different, totally different, separated so they separate them different directions different yeah. different uh, buildings you know so when i know when they come and take me and go to this way i know i'm going uh, today is a rough day when i come they come and take me i go to the other way even the guards that they are sending to you the soldiers they are sending to you to pick you and go to the interrogator they know which guards they sent they send the black man what's up man what's up you know come in with joke And uh, come on, man, we're going to that place. Let's go. But if you go with the other ones, hey, come. You know, no talking. They bring people, rough people, to the rough place. And they bring soft people to the soft place. Mm. You know what I mean? Did you manage some time to defend yourself somehow? Uh, 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 let me tell you this. 
one time I became like, how can I explain? Every day I will create a problem. I will bring this first team to myself. I hit somebody. I, 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 I call problem every day. And they were thinking, what can they do to, to just cool me down? Because that time, you know, if I get chance to hit a god, I will hit a god. Even they came, give me injection. They give me an injection for me to sleep three days. I don't know what's so happening around me for three days. After I just understanding, I, understand, I woke up and I just came to the door. I was saying to the brother, Salam Alaikum. I will come to this story because this story is happening in Camp 5. So all the brothers, Walaikum Salam, everybody shouting. Camp 5 is like segregation. You don't see nobody. We just talk underneath the door. We go under the door and talk. So everybody was shouting, are you okay? We've been calling you for three days. I was like, three days? Then I, they just uh, they told me, yeah, you remember you went out to the wreck. Now you refused to come back and they brought the team. They'll beat you up. They give you injection. Now I remember what happened. Hmm. So after I woke up in three days, they know that if I see myself in this situation, they thought if I see myself in this situation, I will be like, okay, sorry, sorry. I won't do any problem again. So they sent one of the guards with my cloth. So when he came to my cell, there's a small window. He will open and hand me over the cloth. The same window, they give me food. So he gave me the cloth and he told me, now you're back to your sense. I didn't wear my cloth. I hold the guard and hit him in the face. You know, and he closed the door on my arm and my arm was, was injured. Wherever I go, I tell brothers, why are you people silent? Why this guy is doing this and we don't do anything? Let's let's do something. So they said, this guy's a bad apple. So uh, Shakir came to me. They moved me to Shakir. Shakir told me, look, don't talk to nobody, no guards. You need something, tell me. So this is one of the stories that happened there. When you think about these years back in Guantanamo, it's all dark memories or are there some moments that stick out, maybe moments that even make you laugh? So, you know, so many funny times I had in Guantanamo. That's this one of them. It's not always sad, you know? Yeah, so I, I always try to make a joke, to, to make feel happy, to make people smiling. I always sing, for example, number two song. You know, that song... If you hear this song in any block in Guantanamo, meaning one person, one guard being hit, meaning somebody got hit. Otherwise, nobody sings the song. So as soon, you know, why would I do this? It's like they are, they are, they are like they are fighting us mentally. So I always I also have a, a strategy to fight them mentally. For example. We have to, they give them numbers, also guards, because guards come in, create problems, go home without any punishment. When we complain, who did that? There's no name. You know, they don't come with names. They always remove their names. So we cannot identify them. So we tell them, look, you people give us numbers, give them numbers. So they give them numbers. But it's also advantage for us, because if you misbehave, your number is 555. I will tell brothers in other blocks, hey, if you see 555, please hit him for me. As soon we hit somebody, I start singing, number two, number two, number two, 
Number two, number two, all the block. Number two, I told you gonna get it. Number two, I would never regret it. Number two, you would never forget it. Number two, if you treat us as a human, human being, we will treat you as a human. Human being, if you treat us as an animals, where and see, we will treat you as an animals. Where and see, if you treat us as an animals, so will we, we will treat you as an animals. So will we, number two, with dancing, you know, number two. You, can you imagine somebody hit with number two? The whole block is dancing. <laughs> you know? So it, it's like for them, the gods, I heard that if they want to punish one god, they will tell them, hey, we send you to India block. You know, <laughs> I'm telling you, because if you get there, he will clean number one, number two, the whole day. You Because if you misbehave, that's what's going to happen. We're not afraid of any, nothing. Now, before they bring the force team for anything, if you refuse to come out, they come and beat you, bring you out by force. If you refuse to go to recreation, they come and bring you out by force. If you refuse to go to a, a reservation, they come and beat you. And take, if you refuse to see even for search, do you believe they search our cells every day? They come and search the cell. They search our bodies every day. They shackles us every day. So when we became bad apples, bad apples block, you cannot search it every day. So when we, we resist, stand up, stick our neck out, they will stop. Yeah, I, I need to understand something. How does someone cope with being sentenced to prison when they are innocent? What did you do to cope with it, to bear it at all? Uh, I remember one uh, Puerto Rico say, look, amigo, these gringos, they come. Don't show them too much respect. Why? If you show them too much respect, they think because you're scared. That's why you show too much respect. But if you don't show them too much respect, later on, when you know each other, then you respect, they will give you too much respect. I took his advice more than what he told me. <laughs> when, when new team comes to Guantanamo, we fight them from the beginning for no reason. To, to show you who am I. Later on, if you want to misbehave, you will remember, oh, that guy, I got number stupid. Two, number two, number two. <laughs> 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 One more thing. One more thing. One of the guards came. He was new. That time, they were told Shaker. Uh, you know, Shaker told me, no problems. No, I said, okay, I behave well. No problem. And I was up upper cell. He was down cell. I was in my cell. I heard somebody whistle. <whistles> whistling. And it was night shift. He just came night shift. And I knew that now all team are going. New team are coming. So he's a new team. So I knocked the door. Excuse me? Who's knocking? I tell him my number, three two three one. I think he came to me. Said, "Who's whistling?" He said, "I'm the one whistling." I know he's not allowed here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "What? You know, he just came from US. 
is American, American soldier. We are detainees, you know? I say, no, it's not allowed here. I'm telling him with confidence, you know? It's like, yeah. what? He said, no, no, whistling is not allowed. Get out of here. <laughs> I, I called one of the brothers. Yeah, brother. Say yes, in Arabic. I think we're going to have a party today. Everybody laughing. Yeah, 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 I know we have party today because you already tell him the rules, man. He break the rules. Uh -huh. so, yeah, yeah. so in a few hours later, he came for dinner. You know, there's a locker on the window. There's a small window. You have to sit like this to take the food. That's the only window that you can touch him or you can do whatever. Uh -huh. So we are good on this one because we've been trained for so many years. Even yeah. the window is down, but you know, we are, we are too quick. So he came, there's a locker. You have to unlock the locker, open the window, give me the food. So the old people, they didn't touch him well. When you open the locker, before you open the, the window, you have to lock the locker again on the hand of the door. You understand me? You don't keep yeah. the locker on you. Because these guys are too quick. So he, when he opened the window, He's holding the locker on his hand. I grab it from his hand. Now the locker is with me. I want to hit him with the locker. He ran away. <laughs> I'm with the locker while my hand is outside. He's hiding because if he comes, I will hit him. So they came, all came there. One of them who know me, he's about to leave. Chris, why you do this? Because he's FNG? FNG meaning fucking new guy. <laughs> because it's the FNG, you do this. I say, you know, man, FNG, you should tell them the rules here, or otherwise I tell them the rules. All the guys are laughing. When I was in Seg Black, I was sleeping, and I heard something liquid, like warm, on my face. When I wake up and check, it's piss, man. God threw piss on my face. So when I called, his boss tell him look say no 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 i say look how i know is for him how i know is his own piece maybe your own piece i put my own piece in my face okay thank you so i punish the same god with the same thing so i you know spray him with number with number one we call the piece number one the poop number two so we start doing the same thing because if you are doing this to me and there's no way i can get you how can i stop you so we start doing the same thing now when we start doing the same thing the god become so afraid now they don't do anything so they will come and tell you please don't put me on the list say no behave well otherwise you'll be on the list please chris am i on the list you know this is one of the funnier things you say if we may yeah we make jokes we tell them, no, man, try to not be on the list because if we put on the list, taking you off the list is not easy because your numbers will be everywhere. So before we announce, hey, man, 555 is out. So it will take time. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we had to finish our conversation and kept talking the day after, which we did gladly. Mohammed was falsely accused of fighting for the Taliban in Tora Bora and being a member of a London-based Al-Qaeda cell. He had never visited either Afghanistan or the UK. The evidence used to keep Mohammed in Guantanamo Bay for seven and a half years 
was based purely on statements from two other prisoners. Their claims were later found to be unreliable and inconsistent with each other. So, Mohamed, you usually say that you also got a glaucoma because of Guantanamo. What makes you so sure of it? Put yourself in a small room, lights 24-7, the, the paint. You see, we, 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 we are not stupid prisoners. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything you do for a reason, we understand. If you go to the room, the paint that you painted on the wall is white. It's not just white. It's like shining white. When the light goes to the wall, comes back to your eyes and you have a pain in your head. You understand me? 24-7. And what I was doing to, to, to save the pain that come into my eyes, I was taking my shirt and I found a way to cover the light with the, with the, with the, with the threat from my, my, with my, with the threat with my pants, then the light is big. It's like, how can I say it? It's like a size of the cell. It's just, just a little bit and it's big light. So what they do, that light, there's a smaller light inside. When we, they have civilian visitors, from Washington, whatever, big dogs, they off that small light, big light, and they leave that small light in the night. So they show them that, yeah, you see, because of the sleep, they are sleeping, we have to reduce the light, which is lie. It is on 24-7. They only use this one if there's visitors. If there's no visitors, they never off the big light. So what I had to do to avoid this pain Before this cell in Camp 5, I never have eye issues, you know. So I was taking my shirt, covering the light with a thread from corner to corner. So the light is, the, my shirt is like, this is the light, if you can see my hand. Yeah. Ah, this is the shirt is covering. So you see the room is dark. Mm. So when I start doing this, they're coming in to beat me up, to take, to, they take my shirt for a couple of days. Then if they take my shot, I have to sing number two song every day. So they become crazy. I told them, look, if you don't give me my shirt, I will never stop. I continued for one week, every day. They said, this guy is crazy. They give me back the shirt, I start covering. Other brothers start doing the same thing. I said, look, I can't lose my eyes. You have, you took my freedom, you cannot take my eyes. So this is why I always said it's from Guantanamo. Because before then, I don't have any eye issues. So these eye issues started there. And this is how it started. I mean, one would assume a so-called democracy will at least pay a compensation to someone who has been held in prison without charges or at least as sure a comfortable lifestyle. Did you get any compensations? Compensation? You mean they pay me? Yeah. <laughs> Americans? No, man. Nothing. No, nothing. They only rule my life. They only give me stigma of Guantanamo. That's all. Let me tell you. They didn't even say sorry. See, sorry? They didn't even say that. When I was going out of Guantanamo, the last day in Guantanamo, the guy who was in charge of Guantanamo, he was standing at the gate of the bus to say goodbye. And he wanted to shake my hand. I said to him, I won't shake your hand because your hand is dirty. Your hand, you need to wash it. 
before I can shake your hands. Because you are the one torturing my brothers, my people, and myself all this time. And you're still torturing my brothers. So wash your hands first, then I can shake your hands. Americans, they never say sorry. They never say we did wrong to Muhammad al-Gharani. They never say we kept this boy for seven years for wrong. Even what? They never say that. You cannot help somebody for seven years, torture him, then you throw him somewhere, then you just forget about the person. You know? Yeah. You know, I really want lawyer, if I can get lawyer. I don't have money to pay lawyers. <laughs> if I can get support to get lawyer. I want to sue Americans. I want to sue them. Uh, exactly because of that, it's so important to tell your story. You see, like, for example, why Jews always want people to know what happened to them? Never again. Because if you don't say it, if you don't, like, uh, 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 like how can I say it? If you don't uh, talk about it, it's like something never happened. Mm. You know, it, it possibly happened to somebody else again. Because Guantanamo, it was a place, no rules, no law, nothing, man. It's like an island. That's what I told the, the I told the the, law, the the interrogator in in Guantanamo. I say, look, you brought us here, so you will tell us like Jews. When God told them you cannot fish on Saturday, they you know they throw the net on on Friday. They came back to take the fish on Sunday. So they say, we didn't fish on Saturday. You are torturing me here. Uh, you are not in U.S. If you're in U.S., you know, U.S. law will be, uh, you know, will be uh, uh, taken. But you are not in U.S. That's why you brought us here. It's a game. Because you want us, you, you want to torture us. You want people afraid, Americans, of doing wrong thing, thing, but you are the one doing the wrong thing. You mm -hmm. want to do this for, for terrorists, whatever, to be afraid to do more bad things to you, but you are the one doing the more bad things here, bringing innocent people here, torturing people here, doing whatever you want here. You're treating us even worse than animals. You know, that's, that's, that's what has, has to be done. You know, justice has to come. Mohammed, you have been arrested while attending religious services. You said you were interrogated and tortured. You were sold to a foreign power who imprisons you with further interrogation, torture and abuse for more than seven years. How did the entire roller coaster of events affected or change your religiosity or thoughts about a higher power? Do you still believe? Definitely. It? Definitely, man. This is the this is the thing one of the good reasons kept me who I am today. You don't know what's happening. You don't know when you are going home. You don't know why you are here. I believe everything happening for reason. Allah, God, created us for reason. Now, there is something called Al-Qadha wal qadar meaning in English, I don't know if I can say it correctly, but meaning in English, anything happening to you It, it is written before even you were born. Allah said this thing will happen to you. So that's why this is happening to me. Not because I'm bad. Not because God, Allah don't, don't like me. Not because I'm not lucky. You know, some people take it that way. Oh, I'm not lucky. Why is me? When it, bad things happen, 
They ask, why is me? I don't say that. I don't say why is me. It's test from Allah to see my faith, to see my reaction, you know? So that's what I believe. You know, Joseph is a prophet. He was sold by his brothers. I was sold by brothers Muslims. He was taken to prison for no reason. He was innocent. I was taken to prison. I was innocent. He was taken, he was stayed, he stayed in the prison for seven years. I stayed in prison for seven years. So anything for reason. So that's what I believe. And I'm more stronger believer than before Guantanamo. One thing Guantanamo taught me, you have to care about others, not only yourself. When I was there, I saw in my eyes, if we don't unite, if we don't fight for each other, they will put us in a, in a, in a worse, worse situation than you know, we are. I give an example. When they come in in the, in the cell, if you do wrong, they'll come and beat you. But if nobody reacts, they will do that to everybody. But if you see injustice happening to somebody and you be quiet, it will come back to you. So when Guantanamo, when we see they are hurting somebody, we, we you know, we are watching, we are together. It's open place. We see each other, even if we're not each together, but we see each other. We stand up for each other. That's made us stronger. And let me tell you another thing. My block, they called us bad apples. Why? If God comes there, if they remove, if they send me to a different block, I will bring the whole block upside down. They don't want that. The reason why your 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 foundation stick your neck out. This is what I tell everybody because i tell them look they beat you anyway so why you are quiet because if you think that you you know that they divided us they said okay you are level one you're level two you're level three you're level four so level one meaning you have a blanket you have sheet you have mattress you have water bottle you have towel you have toothpaste you have toothbrush you can get fresh water bottle anytime you you know you go recreation every day you go shower every day. This is level one. Level two is less. You don't go recreation every day. You go every other day. Level th level three, you don't get blankets. You do only mattress. Level four, nothing. So when they brought this kind of level one, level two, level three, I told the people in the block, let us all be level four, man. Because if you be level one, you be afraid for your blanket to go. You be afraid for your mattress to go. So you won't react. If they do whatever they want, you cannot react. You'll be silent. That's what they want. But if we be level four, what they going to take, man? Nothing. Because when you have nothing to lose, that's why I tell them, man. You know, I joke with them. One time they came, it was, I think it was Friday. And when they came, I say, look, man, I got no money. I got no job. I got no work. I got no shit to lose. Yeah, they ask me why you do why you call problems because I call it party. I tell brothers, let's have party today. Party meaning mess up, man. Water everywhere, you know. So you know, Guantanamo is good, is bad. It's good because 
the way I am today, I think I won't be the way I am today if I didn't go to Guantanamo. I can imagine it's difficult to readapt to a normal life after being incarcerated. What would you say is the most difficult part? To live, to live normal life. To live normal life like everybody. To move around safely. To have peace of mind. You know? Mm-hmm. Because, because Guantanamo, it becomes stigma. So you want to take the stigma out of your neck. Because now, when, whenever you go, you always don't want people to know deep about you. My suffer has not has never ended. My 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 situation has never stopped in somewhere, you know. Everybody after Guantanamo, they stopped somewhere, they begin their life and they move on. My own situation is not like that. You know, because I've been to 14 countries in Africa. 14 countries in Africa. I've been to Cameroon, I've been to Niger, Burkina, Togo, Sudan, you know, Ghana, uh, um, Chad. So all these countries, Burkina Faso, uh, Morocco, all these countries trying to find a place, a tree I can, you know, relax under. (laughs) It's not easy, you know. That's why I have to always, you ask me of communicating with the ex, get more details, and I said no. Because of this reason, because it's not safe, man. You know, anybody can make a story out of me. Anybody can say, oh, he's trying to do this and we, we grab him. You know, or I'm talking to one of ex-Guantanamo detainees. Oh, they are planning something. You know, like I said, it's a stigma. Guantanamo is a stigma. So they can use it. And the reason why, let me tell you something here. Chadians, why Chadians refusing for me to talk in the media, to give me an identity card or passport, to go, all this. Americans, they knew me very well. I always take my neck out. I don't be silent. I talk. They don't want that. They want me to be quiet the way I am today. That's what they want. They want me to not come in the TV, to not showing, telling my story. It's not good for them. It's, it's damage for the image. That's what they don't want. They want me to be quiet. They want me to just hide in. The graphic novel Guantanamo Kid, the true story of Mohamed El Garani, reveals your story, the years you spent in prison, and at the end, Jerome Tubiana writes about your situation and what happened after you were released. How did the publication of the book improve your situation? Uh, you know, the book helped me uh, yeah, uh, somehow, yes. You know, people, when they read the book, uh, they sent, you know, some 200 euros, some 300 euros, you know. So for them also their sympathy, you know, it's not always about the money, you know, people also when they understand what happened. That's what I told Jerome from the beginning. You know, yeah, money is important, yeah, no, no uh, doubt. <laughs> But also for people to understand what really happened and for them to, to know what really happened is also important, you know? Because when you call it off democracy and you are you are not but hypocrisy, people have to know. You know, different between hypocrisy and democracy. They are sound similar. Did you get any support from human rights organizations? No, while I was in Guantanamo, I was receiving much of letters from human rights organizations like Amnesty International. Even I have a lot of books from Amnesty International. People, they, you know, I like to read. And when I was in Ghana, I have a similar library like you have at your back. <laughs> and uh, if you... 
Yeah, beautiful. If you come to my uh, in, in living room in Ghana, you will see much of books. And the good thing is, these books, most of them from Guantanamo. People send books to Guantanamo to me. But when I was in Guantanamo, I was not able to read. So the day they releasing me, they brought the book with me to chat. That's the good. That's the only good thing Americans did to me. They didn't save my books. They didn't keep my books. They are. They gave me my books. Eighty percent of the books written the sender name with the oh Muhammad be strong Muhammad don't worry freedom will come soon you know so yeah so I was receiving I will I will show you one day the books and I will show you uh, this kind of uh, beautiful messages from people I don't know them up to today but, you know to yeah so they were. Sending the books. Uh, Muhammad, I learned you like reading history. This is my favorite book, history books. I'm sending it to you. You know, so I received messages from Japan. I was receiving messages, hundreds of messages, I think every two, three weeks. Hundreds. They kept them all together. They bring it to myself. I'm not allowed to keep them. Mm. Read and take them back. I was like, no, man, I'm enjoying reading them. Some of them I want to read and read again. No, mm. no, it's not allowed. This Unjust imprisonment and ill treatment had also an impact on your health. You have a glaucoma caused by the color lights used during interrogation sessions. An exploratory paper published in February 2018 shows that even a short stay in prison has an impact on personality. Do you have friends nowadays? I mean, relationships where you feel safe, where you feel you can be just you and don't have to worry about being persecuted, where you don't feel You need to be suspicious after everything that happens to you in the last decades. You no, know, to be honest, through the experience I have, through the through the uh, condition I have been through, I don't share my past stories with nobody. I don't tell them the past. I don't talk about the past. I don't tell them about Guantanamo stories, because, like I said, it may happen the same thing happen in Ghana. You never know, because. Somebody maybe come and use it, and if anything happen, they will send me to back to chat. If I'm back to chat, I seriously help me in Guantanamo. They help me in chat. They help me in Afghanistan when I was in Afghanistan. But still, they cannot maybe come. You never know who's in office tomorrow. You understand? So honestly, people that I made friends with them here, I don't share my story to them. No one knows my Guantanamo story. Well, Mohammed, you are luckily free. What does freedom means to you? Freedom is something uh, you know I cannot explain. I mean, freedom is is life. Yeah, it's, it's very important. It's something that everybody should have, man. Mohammed, thank you so much for talking to me, allowing me to tell your story. I wish you really the utmost success in your endeavors to find a new life. Thank you so much. God bless you and have a good day. Thank you for giving me opportunity to tell you my story. Thank you. Of course. As I mentioned before, the story of Mohammed El Garani was turned into a graphic novel from Jerome to Biana. The book was endorsed by Amnesty International with illustrations from Alexander Frank, whose simple black and white pictures convey the harsh reality of torture, constant acts of racism and xenophobia, the dark and absurdist tale in a bold graphic style. A graphic novel that can be read fearlessly and without risk of being traumatized. Guantanamo Kid, the true story of Mohammed El Garani. A great book that brings to light the atrocities being executed, leaving behind so much damage without even taking responsibility for it, 
once the inmates are released, free of charge. Next week in Stick Your Neck Out, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity, I'm going to be talking to Kantari Sristi KC from Nepal. Sristi brought the organization Blind Rocks to life. Blind Rocks' mission is to fully integrate and engage blind people into every aspect of society. Sristi is a dancer, a public speaker, an actress, an adventurer, a motivator, an initiator, and also completely blind. You'll find the Cantari or Girafilos stories every Tuesday on Spotify, iTunes, our homepage, and every other place where you hear to your podcast. But you know what? Subscribe the podcast so you don't have to look out for us. We'll be coming to you. And if you'd like to tell us about your frontline hero, just visit us at giraffe-heroes.eu. My name is Jean-Pierre Aguiar-Durañona, and I hope you join us also in our social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. But more important, I hope you join us again next week. Stick your neck out. The weekly podcast of the Giraffe Heroes Foundation. 